0: Broadcasting live from the PHX.FM studio in Phoenix, Arizona. It's time for Valley Business Radio, spotlighting the Valley's best businesses
1: and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories that traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you to the right people. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian McIntyre. I'm joined in the studio today by three interesting entrepreneurs from Phoenix's diverse entrepreneurial ecosystem. Now, that's a mouthful, if ever there was one. With me today is Raquel Landefeld, who is an event and community coordinator with Elegant Themes. Welcome, Raquel. Thank you. Ryan Birch is founder and owner of the Toby Group and also on the core organizing committee for Phoenix Startup Week. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. And Dominic Bartola is CEO of Cozy, a company that has created intelligent software for home services and home service professionals. Welcome, Dominic. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about a number of things today, but I want to say right up front that this show is part of a series we're doing leading up to PHX Startup Week. Inside of this series, we're committed to understanding more about the companies people are building, the resources that are available that not everybody necessarily knows are available, and also learning, getting to know some of the founders, some of the people behind some of the interesting work that's happening in our valley. So let's just start, Raquel, by having you give us a brief overview of your company and your work. Tell us about Elegant Themes and how you serve folks.
0: Elegant Themes is a software company based on the open source software that is WordPress. Uh, They've created Divi, which is a page builder and allows anyone to build their own website, especially targeting designers because designers can build pretty things, but they don't know how to code pretty things.
1: Divi is a very well-known entity in the customizable themes Uh, space has been around a while. Yes. Alongside some of the newcomers like Beaver Builder and Elementor and others. Really a unique development in the WordPress ecosystem. Because as you say, non-coder designers are a huge part of the marketplace. How long have you been with the company and and what's your current role? I've been with the company just about 10
0: months. I'm pretty new. My role is new to the company in that I organize and plan all of their events online and IRL. And then I manage all their communities online and
1: IRL. (laughs) Marvelous. Well, we're going to learn more about some of those details and some of your experience in building community. Thanks for joining us in the studio for this conversation. Ryan Birch, tell us a little bit about Toby Group, what you do, how you serve folks.
2: Yeah, sure, so uh, Toby Group, the best way to think about it is as a supplemental CMO. So what we do is we occupy the space between a consultant, a marketing consultant that just tells you everything's wrong and kind of walks away, and that agency that charges you a boatload of money to try to go fix those things. So um, I worked at eBay for a long time and just working with gigantic brands and even small brands uh, noticed that there was a huge gap in the space. Uh, to, to kind of fill that that void that kind of exists between consultant and ad agency, so that's
1: uh, that's what we do for our clients. What types of clients are a really good fit? For that service, um, in theory, it's everybody. Yeah, but in reality, there's some folks that are better fit than others. Yeah, so my
2: my background personally is very digital focused. So what I've found is a lot of my clients are looking for someone to build out their digital practice. Uh, so that's the first uh, kind of layer. But really, who I focus on and, and who it seems to work best for is the the medium sized um, business that needs one extra marketing person on their team, uh, or the ad agency that needs someone to help build out and Entire arm of their their organization, so it's uh, it's it goes from uh, who can actually build you know one more asset uh, onto their marketing plan, and uh, kind of goes from there.
1: That's fabulous, Dominic Bartola. You're the founder, the CEO of Cozy. Tell us about your company, uh, what you're building, and who you serve. Thank you. I am
3: actually the CEO and co-founder, and we actually uh, develop a platform for
4: homeowners and home service providers to create an ecosystem, really simple platform that saves all of their home services as like carfax and we build in some really neat technology that's innovative and it's actually becoming a lot smarter so we're really excited about it and it's helping homeowners really find the best services and make sure they save all of that work uh, very similar to carfax for your house and then you can actually transfer that as a digital
1: profile and it saves
4: all that data in one
1: place so who are your primary customers are you going directly to the homeowners or are you working with uh, providers, like, how, how? What's the business model for this app? So it's, it's actually very simple, uh, very similar to you know
4: Uber or Lyft or anything. Uh, we have providers, service providers that are coming on the platform, and they download the app, and then we also have homeowners that are able to use the app, and there's no cost uh, for any of them. Uh, we did not want to charge for the lead, and we allow the service providers t- to participate and allow homeowners to
3: basically get the services from who they want and how big is that is that market is it ever all homeowners is that the is that the, uh, the market is actually 400 billion when you include hvac electric plumbing and handyman
4: uh, all in one market uh, phoenix arizona is one of the largest markets in the country for hvac which yeah. is why we got started
1: makes sense given our weather and our environment It's an important part of home services. Absolutely. As well as the experience people have of living here. Yes. Okay, great. I want to learn more about how you each got to the places where you are. We'll explore a little bit of your backstory, but let's also speak a little bit about Phoenix Startup Week, which is coming up this February. It's one of the largest entrepreneurial events here in Phoenix. Ryan, you're on the core organizing team for this. Can you give us a brief overview of PHX Startup Week, kind of what it's all about. Sure. um, And and really set the tone so that we can weave some of our uh, some more specific conversations into that framework? Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned a couple things a moment
2: ago talking about your resources that people didn't know that they needed as well as the networking that happens. And I think that those two aspects of uh, PHX Startup Week are what a lot of uh, attendees get out of the event. Um, but there's also a really important aspect of diversity and inclusion that we're really proud of uh, that uh, that serves as a theme of uh, PHX Startup Week. So uh, this year's event will actually happen February 17th through 22nd. Uh, we've got three venues, two in Phoenix and one in Tempe this year. Uh, we're really excited because of the uh, speaker lineup uh, that, that we've got coming out. But for attendees, it's really about finding uh, the resources, connecting with individuals that uh, you know are, are going to help them along their entrepreneurial journey. Um, so uh, February 17th
1: through 22nd is when that will be occurring. One of the things that was the inspiration for us to do a little mini-series leading up to Startup Week is the commitment that the event and the organizers and the volunteers and everyone associated with it, the commitment they have to empowering what we're all trying to do in our own various ways here in the Valley. So we're going to learn a lot more both in today's show as well as in the next five weeks. Uh, about different aspects of that. But one of the things I think we need to acknowledge right up front is that building something is hard. It's often lonely. It can be incredibly stressful, financially stressful, personally stressful. It's often not well understood by members of your family, your high school friends, what have you. So as somebody who has come into this world Relatively later in my own life, one of the things I've grown to appreciate about the intentionality that's put on community is that there are resources that people don't know exist, that other people, you know, you are only one conversation away from a right connection, from the right introduction, from learning about something that might help you. Uh, and, and so we want to bring as much of that to light as we can. I think in order to really get into that conversation, though, it would be useful to circle back and have each of you talk in a little bit more depth about your own founder's story, about your own professional journey. And Dominic, let's just start with you and work our way back around the table. An important part, as you were sharing with us earlier, of your entrepreneurial work is your own personal story, being born with severe hearing loss and everything that you've had to do. Can you give us a bit of a an introduction to the world of Dominic, how you navigated to the point
3: where you are now? Uh, it's quite a long story, but I'll try to cram it in as much uh, short as possible.
4: But it, it is hard probably to believe if you're listening that I, I, I do speak very well, but I do not hear anything. And I do have to read lips. And I've had to figure things out my, my whole life. And this experience uh, recently, and in, in when we bought our house, I realized that homeowners... And it's a very frustrating process. Getting home services and I had to deal with service providers and people, roofers, and they were calling me. I don't talk on the phone very well. There's got to be a solution for this. There needs to be an easier way. And is this normal? I found out it was very normal. Every homeowner is stressed out. And for me, it was, it was quite a challenge um, because I needed to figure things out. And luckily, I had some great people on the team. And we met some incredible individuals. We met Mahesh Vinayagam. We met uh, Jenna Bianca Villa. Uh, we met uh, just a lot of great people. Anthony Argenziano came on board with us, and um, we also have an incredible CFO, uh, Steve Mon. Uh, just some awesome people that are really helping us really take this to the next level. And so, Cozy was born essentially out of there's got to be a simpler way to help homeowners, and. Also, when homeowners experience some kind of situation, there's really nowhere central that all of this stuff exists. Most homeowners actually don't get lucky like I did and get an accordion file full of all of their stuff. Uh, I got an accordion file and my water heater exploded and I erased in my office, opened up the cabinet, looked at my accordion file. I had no idea who put in my water heater and... I needed to find out, and I had to call the previous homeowner. It was, just, it was just a really stressful situation,
3: and Cozy solves that problem. And that's why we created that platform, and it's very simple.
1: It's a great example of a situation where there's a common problem shared by many, and there are some unique experiences that make things extra difficult yes. for some, yes. right? So with your own hearing impairment informing development of this app, talk a little bit about the broader issue of accessibility. For people who don't live with what you live with, they take so much for granted. Just as people who don't live with white male privilege have to confront the reality of not having something that some people get to benefit from every day without knowing it, there's a whole gap in experience between what it's like to deal with home services Uh, Mm -hmm. And and be hearing impaired and what it's like to deal with home services and still be frustrated and and have problems to solve. Can you speak to this issue of accessibility and how it plays Uh, out?
4: Accessibility has been uh, been quite a journey for me personally. Uh, That's why one of the technologies we put in the app is conversational technology. You do not have to actually get on the phone. And the, the conversational technology allows you to request services. And through a conversational chatbot, and allows you to virtual assistant, and then it basically procures your services for you. And you don't even need to hear one thing, you don't even need to say one word, and you can do it all with the tap of a button. So that was very important for me, I mean, and the company because of my involvement in the community on a diversity inclusion level, and really making this. Um, inclusive for everybody and not just one another technology okay and not just another startup it needs to be an example of okay I personally live with a disability but there's many other people out there that can benefit from this type of technology with or without a disability and we know the future is changing we
3: know lots of things are happening and I just want to be an example for that and I want this platform to be an example of
1: that yeah you know, it reminds me of uh, something I haven't thought about for years, but I, I used to, in another professional life, live uh, for many years in the Middle East. And I had a friend who was working uh, with a nonprofit that was trying to create conversations around accessibility in countries that have no... Um, no policy, no code, no, you know, there's no ADA for, right. for, for over there. And it's a simple matter of navigating sidewalks in a country where the curbs are on average about 18 inches high. Uh, and, you know, you can't get a wheelchair and the sidewalks are often cracked and things of that nature. So trying to create a conversation around what it would be like for people who who move differently – to, to be free to live and flourish in a city when, the, you know, all the curbs are, are not wheelchair <laughs> friendly in any way, shape or form. And it just reminds me, I think it's a, it's a useful reminder of how much we can take for granted if we're not mindful of the fact that different people have different needs and building something for everyone uh, would make a lot of sense. We'll talk more about that when, it, uh, with regard to Startup Week itself. But as we work our way back around, uh, Toby, I'm sorry, Ryan, tell us a little bit about Toby Group and your your journey. What got you to this point? Uh, what was your backstory that had you end up starting this company?
2: Yeah, it, it's a long. I, I've been working in marketing and advertising for oh, gosh, probably about just over ten years, twelve years, and I think. What what that exposed me to was how much things actually cost uh, versus how much clients um, are actually paying for things. So just seeing that need, uh, you know, just seeing that gap, and and seeing how much I think people are being taken advantage. Of on the I would say the client side uh, because of the way that things are marked up in marketing uh, it just it it just seemed like a no brainer um, and it really is as simple as that is just recognizing that there is an opportunity there and then also recognizing that when you know when speaking with uh, clients and and the people that were um that that were that that I was working for uh, just how strapped they were for time and and how they were they they needed something else but they didn't have Quite the um, power, or the authority, or the money to go hire a big scale agency. So that that's where the need really kind of came from. And and there wasn't any you know higher calling or anything like that uh, for for my business, other than the fact that I've wanted to start something. I've wanted to be an entrepreneur for a long time, and there's just a huge void and gap
1: in the space. Now you got started prior to this as a media buyer for a startup in Tempe. That's that, right. That company was acquired. By eBay. That's right. What did you learn going through that transition from startup employee to acquired company to then deciding to start your own thing? There's actually one
2: more step in that that's interesting. So I went from startup to Fortune 500, working on the biggest brands in the entire world, then back to startup. So eBay actually sold us back into that environment. So I went from a world where it was bootstrap, you know, do whatever you can, uh, just get by. And then we got bought and that completely changed the game. You know, when you're working with bureaucracy, you're working with the corporate red tape, you know, all of those other things. So, uh, in you know, the question is, what, what did I learn? Well, it, it really just shined a light on how difficult it is to get things done, both for a small business if you don't know the resources that you have, or if you're a large business and you just don't have the budget to get it done. So, it, it just it just really shined a light on those two things.
1: Your role with Startup Week is sponsorships. You're specifically focused on finding ways for businesses in the community to participate through sponsorships. Can you speak a little bit to what's playing out there? What's worked well in the past? What opportunities there are now? This is our, either our sixth or seventh
2: year with Startup Week. And in the past, there was uh, a reliance on really large advertisers, really large sponsors. So we had a couple of banks uh, that would basically fund the entire event. The problem with that was then you're kind of beholden. The community is beholden to whatever that giant sponsor really wants. So last year uh, was the first year I joined. Uh, that major sponsor uh, ducked out and we had to basically go find money and uh, what we found though was that there was a comu- there's a community here of businesses um, and people that want to be part of those resources want to be part of the the diversity and inclusion message that we push forward so I can't even tell you how many sponsors call me and just say hey I you know we don't really need to get much out of this we just want to contribute and for me that's been probably the neatest thing is just how many businesses are just raising their hand and saying, hey, we love what you're doing. We love the resources. I was there too at one point. Uh, here's some money and and
1: just it being what it is. It also speaks to the nature of the event itself, which is that it really is from within the community uh, and creating opportunities for not just, although it's, it, as you point out, it's nice to get a large check from a company that sometimes that check comes with a price tag. And, you know, we've certainly seen in political campaigns, the difference between campaigns that are run on the basis of small donations from a large number of people and what that allows them, the freedom that allows them to really speak for those people versus campaigns, in, again, in the political realm, funded by large corporate checks or private donors or dark money and things of that nature. So th- there's a certain honesty that comes with getting those you know, small dollar commitments and then really making sure that the event itself represents everyone who has supported it
2: well and that and, and that goes even beyond just the, the dollars though right so we have a mission with the, our programming to make sure that that's diverse and inclusive and it's bringing the right types of groups in. so last year uh, I think we had a 50/50 split you know on gender uh, demographics all of those things and that's very we do that very deliberately so uh, I you know I, I I run the sponsorship side of things but uh, I, I gotta say the entire group that the entire Core planning team, we are all in on making sure that this is a community-led event, and that um, you know that 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 the diversity in every single aspect of that event uh,
1: shines through. Raquel Landefeld, you are passionate about community. You have a lot of experience in building and nurturing communities throughout your career. Give us a little bit of an overview of that backstory, uh, some of the different roles that you've had, what you've learned along the way, and how that informs what you're currently doing at Elegant Themes.
0: Sure. Um, So I started... Uh, in life, as a very young young adult, being a wife, and then very soon after that, a mother, and that was pretty much my identity for all of my twenties. And much like everyone else, at the end of that decade, for me, coincidentally, was the same time as the economy crash. And my husband at the time had lost his day job, and we didn't know what else to do. So I joke that I became an accidental entrepreneur because that was the only answer was with the mortgage and three kids is to take this business he had done on the side and just take it full throttle. So he and I started Mode Effect, which is a WooCommerce WordPress agency still going today. And uh, I just came on there and started doing operations and anything and everything that needed to be done, just hacked the heck out of that company and bootstrapped it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. During that time, though, I started to have this identity crisis of who am I? Am I? I, wife and mom, and if you look at those identities, they're contingent on other humans. So who am I if you take those away? And that's what I discovered through my life of volunteering, which I then started doing. And I started volunteering for many conferences, particularly WordCamps. I volunteered for Phoenix Startup Week in 2015. I fell in love with open source communities in the sense that very much like an open source piece of software is accessible to all and um, inclusive is very much what an open source community is like. I was involved with Gangplank from the early years and very much a lot of what I've learned came from that community. And I was just absolutely over the top in love with that and found that I was wanting to spend more of my time volunteering rather than my own company. And uh, about two years ago, I... Just thought, you know, I want to do this. I want to pursue a life where I am building community. I am particularly planning events, um, hopefully in the tech space. And so, I exited my own company that I built and started the journey to um, start working for Elegant Themes. Eventually, is what ended up happening after a year of searching. But. That was really what it came from. It came from falling in love with humans and discovering that what I did love was human and human connections and how we, if we're together as a community, it actually is what makes the world go round. It's not about like the latest, greatest startup. It's what are our relationships with each other? It's not about um, uh, who's who in the community it's about what can i do for you in our community. and so being a part of wordpress has been interesting because they already got that for the most part and that's where i learned it from. but when i volunteered for phoenix startup week i definitely saw a giant need at the time for more inclusivity and more accessibility and very much felt like i can't leave this community at all. like even though i'd rather be i'm more comfortable in the wordpress community i want to stay in our startup community because they need people like us. We need to be that change, you know, the change we want to see. So um, I've been pretty involved with um, the startup scene in that sense and just at least volunteering and things like that. Because I just I want to see what uh, sounds like already is happening with our startup community. At the time, I felt like there was a lot of kind of we need to Peacock is a good way to put it. And I was hoping to, you know, see more of that like humility aspect and service aspect.
1: I think these are vital issues that every community and every group and every person needs to deal with as we grow up together. And they're certainly very relevant here in the Valley where things are moving very fast Uh, It's high growth in so many different ways, and yet it's so early and so young, and to a certain extent, I would even say so immature in other ways. That immaturity, by the way, is not inherently a problem, just like childhood is not inherently a problem, uh, although parenting is a whole other, (laughs) you know, at the same time, in our eagerness to talk the walk and be progressive and forward-looking, inclusive, accessible, and all those things, we have to make sure that we're not rushing to the language and leaving behind the reality. So let's get real about this for a minute. And I think, Raquel, you have a unique lens into this, having been so actively involved in WordCamp and WordPress communities. You've seen some things that work really well and some things that don't. What is going well in our general entrepreneurial ecosystem? And what are some of the things we collectively need to do better? Uh, What are your thoughts?
0: I think very much right now, we're all aware that we need to be more inclusive and we need to actually reach out to minority groups. And definitely I see a lot of that. So we're being very specific to target women as girls, as kids um, to get involved with anything related to STEM. Uh, That's a start and I think that that's great. We are also for instance It sounds like what Startup Week is doing as well in any sort of WordPress event like a WordCamp We make sure that there are certain demographics that are hit. So unfortunately as soon as well, unfortunately, as soon as that uh, white male uh, Quota is hit then it's like we make sure that you know, and it's actually not that way. It's more so like we're looking for any diverse um, minority group to be represented Um, So I think that that's definitely a good start is acknowledging that there's a deficit there and that we can't just hope that others, that they come. It's that we actually reach out. Uh, I personally um, feel like where I see a lack still is what in the group that I call the minority of minorities, and that is Native Americans. And I am Native American, so it is uh, very present in my mind. Um, I don't feel like we're reaching out enough to that community. and. Right now, I feel like I might be the only one in the entire state of, or I should say more like city, the valley, um, that is a native in tech. And and it could be that I'm not doing enough, but you know, it's one of those things where we do, or especially me, I bite off a lot and I, I'm really good about chewing, but I bite off a lot. And so there's only so much I could do for myself, um,
1: by myself. It's critically important. It's something that I'm very mindful of in the way that we use our platform here at PHX.FM with our shows. And it's so interesting, Raquel, to hear you do what I think so many people do, which is assume that maybe there's a deficit where you are. It's thoughtful of you to say that, but it's also probably not accurate. I mean, it's not that you're not doing enough. Correct. You're doing a lot. It's that collectively, there's a level of visibility uh, that we have not brought to what's happening. So recently in this studio... I had Amanda June, who's the founder of Smokefire Media, which is a media agency specializing in Indian country businesses and in Latinx businesses. She's also dual cultural background of Hispanic and Native American, Diné and Hopi. And she was talking about what it is to be a culturally competent marketing agency working with businesses, whether with indigenous owners or people who are working outside of what we take for granted here, she invited me to go to the American Indian Chamber of Commerce Awards. And one of the award winners is a sign-making company that works primarily on the Navajo reservation. They were talking about the fact that in there, I can't remember how many years in business, they would have to drive to a tall spot to hold their phone in the air to get a signal to process a payment from a client when they're installing signage. Uh, And and it just makes you realize how much you take for granted in any metropolitan area, but certainly how much you take for granted with the socioeconomic and ethnic and other forms of privilege that some of us were born into. So yes, we all need to do more. We need to tell those stories. We need to connect people with other people and get out of the way so that we're not trying to make ourselves the the middle person of that transaction. That's also not needed. Let's turn to you, Dominic. What's your assessment? What are we collectively doing well? What's working? And what are some areas of opportunity, some things we could do better?
3: Thank you. I um, actually have an opportunity. I've been on part of the board for the
4: Diversity Leadership Alliance, which is one of the largest diversity awareness groups here in Phoenix. And my involvement in that uh, has been Uh, It's just been incredible because we, my role specifically on that board, really to look at uh, where the youth are. And we have um, about 14 different high schools from Phoenix Union High School District that participate in our youth leadership program. And we have a majority of these youth, uh, juniors and seniors that are coming from un- underdeserved communities. And many of them, when we provide lunch, we do a, a one-day-a-month workshop. And money, many of them, when we provide that lunch, that's their only meal of the day. And I, I'm very involved in that. And what we're doing well, I would say, is we've been raising awareness for quite a while, uh, which, is, which is incredible. And I think people are going, oh, okay, I'm aware and that's great. And then now what we need to do better is actually take action. And that's really where I found my calling. And I saw myself going, okay, I meet a wide variety of people because I speak and do a lot of public speaking, do a lot of workshops, I'm a college professor. I'm just a busy individual and also a father. I mean, I don't know how I am even here, but I, I've come to realize when people come up to me and they go, you know, we're afraid, but we need someone that's not afraid. And maybe just because of my experiences and having that, maybe be because I was bullied at a very young age, and just develop this rock hard, no fear attitude. And because of that, I wanted to make sure that we had something and set an example. And we need more people like that, that come from these backgrounds that maybe you have, maybe you have a disability, or maybe you have a background that's just just different, you can definitely do something. You can definitely start something. Um, I've been able to do it. I took a lot of figuring it out, but, and there's a lot, of, a lot of people that are doing it, but we need to know who you are. And what we need to do better is more people need to be an example of this community and having no fear
1: and being able to take action on that awareness. Very well said, both of you. Ryan, I want to ask you this question in a slightly different way because you also have extensive international experience. I mean, many of us do, but you have been actively working in lots of different places around the world where you must have observed different ways of working, different ways of organizing uh, communities. I, I'm curious about some of your experiences in Africa. I spent a fair amount of time in, in different African countries where entrepreneurship means something very different and is often much more in th- exciting uh, and human in its in its connection with you know not only building people but building companies and doing well and doing good all together. What's your insights and experience, and including what you've seen in other places? What what's happening here that's that's going well, and what are some areas of opportunity? Some things we need to address.
2: Yeah. So over the summer, I had a chance to uh, travel to Botswana, and uh, as part of a grant with uh, ASU as well as uh, the United States Embassy, and what we're doing is doing uh, media literacy training at the US embassy there and so we brought in uh business leaders uh media folks and teachers uh from all over uh, Botswana and and what we were talking to them about was, uh, media literacy. And, uh, so my job was to talk about the technology, uh, uh, behind marketing, the technology behind some of the, the Russian election hacking and all that really, really neat stuff. Um, but, uh, what I was able to do after that, uh, you know, that week long session is, is go to other places in Africa. And, you know, as the white middle-class guy in the room with, um, hopefully no disability other than losing my hair, um, I was able to uh, uh, just just feel things that I had literally never felt before. I was the only white person in a place. I was the only person that... Um, it came from somewhere where I didn't have to worry about whether the electricity was going to be out, whether I was going to have Wi Fi access. I, I mean, just really simple things. Uh, and I got to meet entrepreneurs. Uh, there's a guy named Tonga Sai uh, who was a tour guide for us. And I got to know him and hear how much he struggles just to build one little tiny aspect uh, of his business. And quite honestly, it was really invigorating. Uh, and and the way that I I I talk to my friends about it now is that there are certain things you have to feel so we can talk about it. And we, you know, you, you, uh, Dominic's talking about, Hey, everybody's saying, Oh, we're aware, but there's certain things you have to feel. And, uh, so that's what, uh, that, that gave me. Um, as far as what we're doing well uh, here, I think there is a community, there is an entrepreneurial community. You look at the Yes PHX work and some of the things that that whole group has done, that didn't exist five years ago and now it exists. Um, I think what we can do better and what we're working on with PHX Startup Week is not only recognizing diversity and what we all look like and the different challenges that we all might have, but diversity and what we each do. So there is this idea that a startup is somebody, you know, it's two guys playing ping pong in Silicon Valley, and that's not the case. I mean, if you look at Dominic's clientele, I mean, it's guys on HVAC, you know, building HVAC systems. It's 120 degrees and they're sweating it out, driving around in a beat up truck, uh, um, putting food on the table. We want that person to be involved. You know, that's the person that we want to talk to because that's the person that's underrepresented. Um, it's not me, the marketing guy that gets on, you know, uh, radio. it's it's that those people. And I think we need to do a better job pulling those people in.
1: I agree that even the word entrepreneur struggles sometimes to be a meaningful one when it's association with tech bros and hoodies and venture capital and big deals and, you know, unicorns and all of these kinds of things, obscures the fact that if the word means something meaningful, it means something about problem solving and innovation and, and courage and bravery and struggling through juggling multiple demands to, to solve a problem for someone else, even when you might continue to deal with problems in your own everyday life. So... What needs to happen, or if anything, I mean, maybe we don't worry about the word, but what does entrepreneur mean in your use of it? And and what do you want people who might be listening to this with an idea, or people who might be listening to this in the early stage of something, to know about what's happening around them that would help them feel less isolated, less alone? Raquel,
0: for me, entrepreneur is life hacking. It's problem solving, and the Best example I could give toward that is that's what I instill in my kids, who are now teenagers, and they're very active. And the one thing I didn't get a lot of is something I wanted to give them was opportunity, and they. But at the same time, not privilege. I mean, there's enough privilege as it is being born into this country and into this city. Um, and so I, I, I tried instilling them problem solving. So. When they uh, want money, I'm like, well, then figure it out. Go babysit, go mow lawns, go do something entrepreneurial, figure it out. Don't. I don't want my kids falling back on McDonald's or <laughs> some retail store that will solve their problem in a big way now, but then maybe make them a little bit um, dependent on that sort of um Solution as opposed to a solution where you've really made your brain work hard and you've figured it out so I mean for me, that's what entrepreneurship has been as someone young and learning and when I was still trying to figure out things I always thought of that as kind of like you're not an entrepreneur until you're zuckerberg level You're not an entrepreneur until you've made it and I didn't realize yes that it's so much of us so many of us actually are entrepreneurs because we are problem-solving today and we are doing the best we can. And you don't have to have uh, backing or, yeah, um, investors and things like that. You can start with nothing and figure it out.
1: Dominic, what does the word entrepreneur mean to you? What do you want other people to know about this form of working and making a life?
4: Uh, I would say it's two things, Adrian. It's It's resilience. And, and having that resilience because it, and I'm learning this firsthand and, and I've been in many different roles, many different professional environments and working in nonprofits, working in the East Coast in New York City, one of the largest PR firms over there when no one even just looked at you and just all wide variety of experiences and having that resilience and being okay with struggle and it's going to suck. And I've had to stay up late nights and not sleep, just thinking to myself, okay, this is going to suck, but I'm resilient. I can get through this. We're going to make this. We're going to make this happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. We're going to make this happen. And the second thing is uh, having no fear and no fear because it is scary starting something new and putting yourself out there and asking to be on a radio show and share your story and things like that. There's going to be moments where it's, Scary, and we have this motto in our company, and and I can't say the first word, but it's it's effort, it, ship it, and it's just effort, it, do it. We're gonna do it, and we're just gonna go, and we'll see what happens. And that's how we're that's how we operate, and that's how I've always operated. I mean, I've had to personally in my life just do it, go to this meeting, meet this person, and you're not gonna hear him, but just do it, just just ship it and make it happen. Um, So those are the two things that really stand out to me because I think it's overused. I think entrepreneurship is overused and people maybe don't understand it as much. And honestly, thinking about it, everybody's an entrepreneur because you've got to figure
3: it out. You have to have resilience. You have to overcome your fears and everything that comes along with it.
1: Ryan, even the word startup in Startup Week carries with it that connotation of, this is for software, this is a tech thing, Uh, this is for Dominic's app company, this is for WordPress people, this is for nerds and geeks and engineers and founders of those types of companies. And while I know that perhaps the roots of the event are deeply in that world, the vision for the future of PHX Startup Week This is something for more than just technology companies, app companies, and things of that nature. Can you speak to how you view entrepreneurship and how Startup Week serves all those types of businesses? I grew
2: up here, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another business event as big as Startup Week. Uh, so when I talk to sponsors, that's the first, you know, from out of state, For you know, Adobe was a sponsor last year. Um, and so when I'm talking to Laura at Adobe, she says, what is this about? And I say, look, I grew up here. This is the premier business event. Um, and I actually feel that way because like Dominic says, everybody's an entrepreneur. I can't tell you how many unique startupy things that we did at eBay that had nothing to do with me being my own business owner. So you can work in a corporate environment, you can be um, anybody in a corporate world, the the bottom line is everybody's trying to figure something out, everybody's got an idea, that could be to push their team along in a new way to give some of you know, somebody uh, that sits next to them a new resource. So, um, so I would say that, you know, I don't really even like that that, I don't like that startup word. We're talking about PHX and Phoenix. I would actually drop the second word of that uh, faster than I dropped the, the first and and focus on that because- you Just call it PHX week. PHX week. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, I mean, we're going to have 2000 people that that come together for six days and and a lot of really great speakers uh, that are coming in and, and uh, workshops, all of these different things. And you can't just tell me that a workshop on funding and workshop on marketing or some of those things only uh, pertain to somebody who wants to start a business. So, uh, so that's the one thing I'd say about, you know, this word entrepreneurship or even startup as a word.
1: There's something else that I know is in the DNA of this event that I think is worth highlighting. And that is the understanding that nothing happens in a vacuum. That everything has a support system or systems that reach out into the communities, and you can't start a business, a company, whether it's in tech or anything else, without being connected to the world of you know financial services or insurance or you know um, commercial real estate at some level. Even if it's a co-working version of commercial real estate, there are so many different educational. Offerings that are available uh, that, that can help small business owners, startup founders, entrepreneurs, and SVPs, senior executives, C suite leaders uh, with the, the knowledge, et cetera. So, just because it is a startup does not mean it's somehow removed from the world. It's in many ways even more embedded in the world. I'd love to circle around a little bit and talk about some of the resources, whether they are people organizations, learning opportunities, et cetera, that have been important to you in your journey. What what has helped you get to where you are? What are some of the things you'd like to call out or draw attention to that other people might need to know about? Again, people, uh, companies, resources, online, plat- what, whatever. Like, What has helped you get to where you are now, Dominic? I would
3: say, uh, number one, uh, I'm very lucky to have people that believe in me. And
4: I, uh, I mean, starting with my wife, of course, and she's my, my number one cheerleader. Um, she's just our number one, our rock for the, for the family. So, uh, I have, I have, I'm very blessed because I feel like the, the, the good that I try to do in the world is is coming back in the form of some amazing individuals, and those individuals, I sincerely ask them, say, look, I need your support, I need your help, and all of them have brought something unique, and we formed an advisory board, and that has really certainly helped the company, and personally, I've I've been also blessed to find and meet really unique and successful individuals, and have followed them. And I really don't care what others have to think, and I just will do whatever it takes to learn as much as I can from you and follow you and be like you, take the things that I like about you and not afraid to ask those questions. I was the very, very curious kid, always asking questions. I still do it today, and my wife has to deal with that, unfortunately, but she does, and I... God bless her for that and then I'm just naturally really curious. So I'm really always asking what can I do better? How how does this work? Why does this work? Um, how can we make this better? So that's really
3: one of the biggest things having the right people in my life and not being afraid to ask those questions. Do you want to
1: be specific and name any of the people or oh, any of the yeah, organizations absolutely. you don't I have to, to but if I would love th- th- to. I'm really wanting us to start calling out more by name e- either people or organizations or courses or anything yes. that have really helped us? What what has been, you know, if you were writing the acknowledgments, right? <laughs> uh, and obviously you can't be exhaustive here, but if you were to select from and call out a few highlights, who or what do you want to acknowledge? So no-
3: number one, I would probably have to uh, definitely thank Marion Kelly. Uh,
4: Marion Kelly is very influential in our community. He was the founder of the Diversity Leadership Alliance. And then um, I had the privilege of, of being introduced to uh, Stephanie Small. Stephanie Small, uh, I was introduced to her because I have a hearing dog from an organization called Canine Companions for Independence. And his name is Plato, like the philosopher. And because of my, my, my connection with that organization, I met Stephanie Small. Stephanie Small is just very influential in our community as well. She started a, a, a nonprofit called Free Art of Arizona for abused children. And now she does consulting with many different nonprofits. Uh, she's been very influential for me and then I also had a privilege of meeting Lee Barnett, who uh, was a, a very influential leader at American Express at that time and now does very well for himself. Um, and we were very lucky to be introduced to Mahesh Vinayagam, who is the CEO and founder of Cubatica. And then we were also um, introduced to um, Anthony Argenziano, who has just been a phenomenal person for us, he used to have uh, experience at eBay. And I was also blessed to meet uh, one of my former students. uh, His name is Ryan Sanford. He's uh, one of the co-founders of Cozy as well. And he uh, has been very helpful, very, very um, influential in our decisions. And then, I mean, I can go on, but Jenna Biancavilla was also uh, a key individual for me. And she's uh, very just... On power you know house of a woman and being able to run all of the companies she does so and our cfo steve mon is really incredible as as uh, just bringing that financial responsibility to us uh, something i'm not the the most a- apt at for, for operations and everything and he brings that to the table so we have a wide variety of advisors and I, I love the the fact that I get to say their names on this on this show, and really, um, just those those are some of the, the the few really important people
3: that I've just been able to be around and be influ- influenced by. Yeah, thank you, thank you for acknowledging
1: them, Raquel. W- what are some of the resources, the people, the 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 other the other things that have supported you in your journey? Uh, you know what what would you be pointing who or what would you be pointing people to who want to follow a similar path?
0: I have to say at the origin, it was definitely Derek Neighbors and Jade Meskel of Gingplank. They're 100% the ones who put that seed in me to build community, really. And I, to this day, continuously think about where my life has been because of the tra- trajectory that they basically inspired me to put myself on. Um, it's not what it is today, but it was definitely an amazing thing that came at a certain period of time where we really needed that in the Valley. I think the whole Valley could credit them towards some definitely, yeah, some things that have happened. Um, and then from there, the WordPress community, for sure, that idea of an open source cultured community and how much it has taught me, even in my own self, I'm tri-racial and very much a minority of minorities and have experienced a lot of hardships that way, even from other minorities. So it's um, being in this group that taught me more about being inclusive. And I found out ways that I wasn't just because of my own prejudice in in almost the opposite way that like a, you know, a white male would
1: have. Very valid and important. I mean, we're not free from this because right. we're human. Right. And yet some of us have benefited historically from structures that are designed for us and not others. Right. But, but, what we all need to do to address it includes something for everyone.
0: A hundred percent. Absolutely. And so the WordPress community has been a huge part of that. Um, People there, I would say here, Carol Stambaugh has just been like my partner in crime with this community. Um, And I would say overall, the startup community, I'd say Amber Pession, who's just been huge on her. And I very like-minded in, in, and connecting humans, I guess, and seeing an issue where we saw a need to be solved and we went and just decided we're going to be a part of this, you know, and very, I love I love what I'm hearing that is happening at Startup Week. I love that there have been characters in our community in the past that maybe weren't a good fit and that they've kind of had to self-select out because of people in our community deciding to step up to the plate and I, I I mean I can't not say that it wasn't because those of us who saw it decided to stay and not leave, which I felt tempted to do because I I felt I, I felt that high school feeling of being you know bullied or you know not feeling like you're good enough and but just decided that it can happen. So I would say those um, I, I you know uh, co-working spaces, I would say been huge on that. Huge Cohoots is specific to help out minority women. Um, Galvanize is huge on education and community. Huge, and I I love that. And they've been huge in and, and even the YesPHX movement and all of that. Yeah,
1: Hera Hub we should mention, which you know is women owned, women centric, but not female exclusive co working space here in Phoenix, um, AZ. Co work, which not only serves the tech community but also the maker. They've got a really cool room with like incredible laser cutters and things that make physical stuff so great. And there are many, many others. But the diversity of those spaces and the micro communities Mm -hmm. that emerge in each one of them. Thank you for mentioning that. I think that's a critical part of this evolving ecosystem. We need a better word than ecosystem. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Ryan, what about you? What's your sense of um, the resources, the people that have been important to you that you wanted us to know about?
2: if I tried to name someone, I would leave somebody off and I'd feel so bad. So I want to, I'm going to stay away from names if that's okay. But one piece of advice that I will give everybody, there are a lot of very loud voices. And this is in the the startup, you know, yes, PHX world too. There's a lot of very loud voices um, that are really good at marketing and branding. And I would actually categorize myself as that. Um, I've learned the most from the quiet people. So the people that are actually getting the work done um, from a mentorship standpoint have been way more valuable to me. Uh so I would say just as a piece of advice, Seek out the people that are actually doing the work as the, as the ones that are talking a lot about it. I know that sounds a little counterintuitive uh, being on a radio show, um, but that's a piece of advice. Um, second thing is uh, don't underestimate the power of some of our digital tools. You can learn just about anything on YouTube, literally anything you can learn on YouTube. Um, So, uh, and that goes for people that are starting the sweaty, you know, blue collar startup all the way to, you know, building really complex websites and things like that. And I don't necessarily always recommend that, but um, don't underestimate the power of communities in a
1: digital format. That's great. And, you know, the theme of this year at Startup Week is Connect PHX, the action that fulfills on the mission of thrive and build PHX. This is as diverse and and interesting and unruly of uh, of an environment as any I've seen anywhere in the world. Uh, It's it's certainly an opportunity to experience the community uh, in all of its unruly beauty. Love it. And, you know, just really want to encourage folks to register, to attend the event. Early bird tickets are still available through this week. That's right, yep. And Ryan, there are also sponsorship opportunities that are still available uh, and people should reach out directly to you. Yep, you can email me directly at
2: ryan.birch at phxstartupweek.net. Birch is spelled B-U-R-C-H,
1: so ryan.birch. Great. We'll, we'll link up to all the, the details in there. And this is just, you know, our invitation to, to show up, to participate. Uh, if you have a vision for something, if you have a small business, if you are a startup founder, if you're in e-commerce, if you, you know, sell homemade Play-Doh uh, on Shopify, you're welcome. This is your community. This is for you. And we also need you to help us make it better. You know, Dominic probably has many things he could contribute in terms of what it would mean for an event to be accessible to somebody with a hearing impairment. There are many other kinds of contributions from your own personal experience that you could share. And I know the core organizing team and the many different subgroups and all the volunteers are wanting to listen and learn as much as they are to talk. So by all means, please do connect with the rest of Connect PHX. And we're going to do more episodes of this little mini series over the next few weeks. I just really want to thank all of our guests for their contributions. Dominic Bartola, co-founder and CEO of Cozy. Ryan Birch is the founder and owner of the Toby Group. And Raquel Landefeld is the event and community coordinator with Elegant Themes. They all have deep experience, as you've heard in this conversation. I'm sure there are many more things they could talk about that we simply haven't had time for. So I would urge you to connect directly with them and come to Startup Week, right? Thank you guys so much for joining us in the studio. I really appreciate your insights and your perspectives. You're welcome. For all of us here at PHX.FM, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio.